I really am excited to be able to be here with you and speak on one of my favorite subjects in the world, the subject of, of parenting. Uh, my wife Tiffany and I have been married for 16 years now. We have four wonderful but imperfect children. And uh, I just want you to know from the outset that uh, I am not the expert. Uh, we've learned some things along the way that I think will be a blessing to you as we, we pass on some of the principles and, and things that really just have been rooted in the scripture all along. Uh, it's nothing new. Uh, as the scripture says, nothing new under the sun, but, uh, you know, each generation needs to learn the truth that God has. And uh, so I'm just eager to, to maybe be a vessel today that can sort of share a little bit of that with you. And, and uh, just by the grace of God alone, we're seeing some, some good fruit in our family. Uh, I want to encourage you to do like we did years ago when we first got married. We began to pray for mentors. God, just surround us with, with good godly people that can teach us because we came into marriage uh, not having seen really uh, successful family life. Um, both of us come from families where there have been, I think, uh, between the two of us, we've got about seven divorces <laughs> in the family, in the immediate family. And so we were thrilled to be married and excited to have kids. But at the same time, we were scared to death. And uh, we were just praying, God, you're going to have to help us because we have not got a clue. And, uh, you know, and, and God's been faithful. He's brought wonderful people into our life that have sort of gone before us. And we've learned much from the wisdom of others. And so much of what I'm going to be sharing today is just that. It's, it's wisdom that we have by the grace of God learned from others along the way. I tell parents all the time, you're not going to be a perfect parent, right? None of us are perfect parents, but you can be a faithful parent. And God calls us to be faithful. Um, the Bible doesn't have all that much to say about success, but it has a lot to say about faithfulness. And, and, um, and we just want to pass on some pr principles and some practical strategies today that, as the title suggests, will really help you to connect with your kids on a heart level. Parenting um, is hard work because parenting is hard work. And there, there's, there's this, this place inside of each of your children that um, is a challenge to reach. Um, and when it comes down to it, only God can really reach it. But he uses you. He uses us as parents to connect with our kids on a heart level. Well, I want to introduce my own family uh, to you. My, my oldest is my son, and his name is Caden, and he's 12 years old, and he's in the sixth grade. And Caden reminds us, on a regular basis that time is going by very quickly. Uh, he came home from school about a year ago and said, Dad, I got halfway through the day and realized I was wearing your pants. <laughs> I, I said, well, son, uh, I meant to tell you it's not going to take very long in the Sine family to outgrow Dad. Uh, but Caden's a terrific kid. He's very creative. Uh, he's an artist, and it's just really fun. I, I'm eager to see what the Lord does through the creative talents that uh, he has. Uh, one of the great qualities in Caden that we've seen over the years is he's just a really loyal friend. He's got a best friend. He has several friends, but there's one that's just like his brother, that literally they were born a week apart, and they've grown up together their entire lives. And he is fiercely loyal to his friend, Austin. And, and we just, they get along so well. In fact, they, <laughs> this is phenomenal to me, but in 12 years of living on planet Earth, uh, which is a fallen planet, as you know, uh, they have not had one argument. Not one single argument in 12 years. And uh, I wish I could say the same for him and his sisters. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's, it's just he's, he's a loyal kid, and we love that about him. Now, for all of his wonderful qualities, he, 
too, as I said, wonderful kid, but also imperfect. And there are some things that we're working on with Caden in family life. There's things that he's having to work on. One of them is just patience. As you can imagine, having uh, three little sisters, uh, you know, he sometimes struggles with being patient with them. I mean, little sisters can be so annoying, Dad. They're always getting into my stuff. Get out of my room. Stop touching my things. And don't look at me like that. And, you know, it's just all this... Things that sometimes push his buttons and uh, sometimes he can be overly sensitive to that. And so we're working with him on just patience and, and being gracious with his sisters. And uh, uh, Haley is our oldest daughter. She's nine and she's in the third grade. And uh, she loves soccer. She seems to kind of have a little bit of the intensity of her dad. I was always involved in sports, and I just, I just love sports. And, and she's kind of the same way. And she, she's just a real sweet-natured kid. But, boy, you get her out on the soccer field, and it's just like, Rrr! she just turns into something else. And it's really kind of fun to watch. And, uh, um, you know, we're, we're really glad that she's in our family. Um, Haley is a very helpful kid, very thorough um, she tends to be sort of a perfectionist. Again, this is a chip off the old block. And to be honest with you, I don't know that that's a blessing or a curse because if any of you are perfectionistic people, you understand exactly what I'm talking about. Usually you do things well, uh, but you also, life can be stressful. <laughs> and, uh, and so it's, it's one of those things that we, we're already praying for her and her future spouse. <laughs> uh, so... Um, but, but, you know, the neat thing about her is, is she, she does a good job following instructions. If we want something done well, we know who to call. And so uh, that's a great quality in her. But also what we have discovered, this is sort of fascinating to me, actually, is that uh, people that tend to be type A perfectionist people, uh, they come off as very um, maybe uh, confident sometimes, or, or you would at first glance think that they're very secure, but sometimes they can be very insecure. And I think the reason is, and, and I'm, I'm, I, so I'm not ready to write a book on this yet, but I will say that my observation is um, we tend to be control freaks. And it's, it's, it, what it means is when we go into new situations sometimes, uh, what we're finding with her, she can lack uh, courage. She can, there's actually an insecurity there that you, you don't see right away on the surface. But I think it's because she kind of feels out of control. And uh, so, you know, it's not easy to put your finger on. It's a real challenge, to be honest with you, as a parent. We're going, hmm, this is kind of interesting. What do we do with this? And so we're having to kind of pray through this and think through this. Great girl, great little girl, though. Um, and uh, self-control is another thing. Um, when she, is just her emotions. She tends to kind of wear her heart on her sleeve. And uh, so sometimes uh, we have to work through uh, just those, those emotions. Uh, Ashton, absolutely the opposite. Uh, she is not type A at all. Uh, she is in her own little world. And uh, in fact, uh, one time recently, her mom kind of startled and she, her and, and, and she said, Mom, I was almost in my world. <laughs> <laughs> it was really funny that that came out of her mouth because so many times we've just kind of chuckled to ourselves and said, she is just in another world. And indeed, she is. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> She's not a perfectionist at all, which means that life for her is going to be totally cool. I mean, she's not stressed about anything. And, uh, but along with that, unfortunately, she can be kind of sloppy and lazy. And, you know, she's the kid where we'll say, you know, I want you to go in there and pick up all your clothes, you know. And, uh, and we go in there, five minutes later, she's asleep on the pile, you know. <laughs> and, and it's just, you couldn't have two more different people than her and her sister. And, uh, but I'll tell you, she's a very... 
a very she's she's known by her friends as being funny and friendly. She's a very funny, just a sweet little spirited thing. Uh, but again, she's got some 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 chinks in her armor. You know, she is she tends to be on the lazy side, and and so we're thinking, God help us, help her to <laughs> to learn to just pay attention, to to be a hard worker. Uh, but she's a terrific little girl, and she's she's seven. She's in the second grade. This is Sailor. She's five. She's our kindergartner. And uh, this picture really captures her spirit. Uh, we, we call her the caboose on the Sine family train. Uh, she just is kind of pulling up the rear, but actually she's more like the engine when it comes down to it. I mean, she is confident and cheerful, tends to be a leader. But the flip side of that coin is, of course, she, um, she can be bossy. You, you listen to her with her little friends and uh, she's taking charge. <laughs> And, and, and the thing about leaders is sometimes they can be like a bull in a china closet and, and people just do not move fast enough for them. And uh, so she could be, you know, insensitive. And, and so we're having to work with her on, on just, you know, treating other people with some grace. And, and uh, so anyway, I remember a couple of years ago, I think she's about three years old and... Um, this, again, was just sort of a classic scenario with her because she's very... T- I've learned with fourth children, they just... They, it's like they come out and they hit the deck running. I mean, everything... They're a little faster than everybody else because they kind of have to be to survive, I think. And, and, and they've got all these examples ahead of them. And so they just pick things up a little quicker, I think. But uh, one time we introduced her to some folks. It was around Christmas time. And uh, they said to her, they said, well... Sailor, have you been naughty or nice? And, of course, referring to the whole Santa Claus deal. And she had not a clue what they were talking about, of course. And she looked at them, sort of puzzled. And so they realized they had confused her. So they said, well, have you been minding your P's and Q's? I'm thinking, <laughs> you've never been around children? <laughs> and, uh, but but she, she caught that. And her face lit up and she said, why, yes. And I've been working on my S's, too. <laughs> And so that, that really is what she's all about. So anyway, the point of all of this is these things are being thoroughly tested in my own life. The things that I'm going to share with you today are being thoroughly tested in my own family life. And um, um, as I said, I just want to pass on some hopefully practical, helpful things for you guys that are rooted in the scripture very, very firmly. And uh, hopefully we'll, we'll all learn some things today about how to just touch the heart of our kids. I want to tell you a couple other little practical things about your um, workbook there so you kind of know what, what you've got in your laps. Um, first of all, there is the parenting manual, and in that you'll find the outlines for uh, the sessions that we're going to be going through. Uh, you will also find a couple of other forms. Uh, one of them is a feedback form. There's a couple of um, coupons and flyers in there for discounts on the resources in back. You'll notice on the feedback form as well that there's a place to sign up for free email parenting tips. I really recommend you do this. You'll get them every day in your mailbox. They're very helpful, very practical, and um, uh, you won't be disappointed. Um, I want to let you know that uh, there's one more thing in there, and it's a handout of the PowerPoint slides. The reason I've included that is because even though we have the outlines in the book that you'll be taking notes on, you will find that I move kind of quick and I cover more information than is actually on that outline. And so that you're not frustrated trying to keep up with me with notes. You can just relax. It's all on the PowerPoint slides and, um, you know, you won't, you won't miss anything. You can still take notes and, uh, and along the way, but just don't feel, you know, that you have to keep up. 
if it's if it's frustrating at the pace that I'm going. A um, couple of other things. We're gonna the teaching time. I'm gonna try to keep it about 45 minutes. Um, I tend to be long-winded. There's so much to cover in just the, a morning time that we have together about the whole subject of parenting. Um, I'm gonna try to give you some time, a little bit, to interact with one another as we go along the way. Um, so I just just a couple of little little points that I wanted to point out before we jump in. Now, one thing that I'd like to do as we begin is ask just a, a simple question: How many of you get angry with your kids? Come on now, Jesus sees your heart. Get your hands up. <laughs> All right. You know, it's true. I do as well. My wife, honey, do you get angry with our kids? Never. Okay. <laughs> We've only got one liar in the group this morning. <laughs> you know, I bring this up because anger really is a common problem in family life um, for lots of reasons. But I'm sort of curious, what are some of the reasons you get angry with your kids? Julie, what comes to your mind? Oh, goodness. Uh, <laughs> Okay, not cleaning their room. What else? What are some other reasons? You guys can just shout it out. Okay, sibling rivalry. That's a popular one. What else, Andrea? When they won't obey and you have to ask them to do something like five times. Oh, boy. That's another one. Anything else? Not flush. <laughs> that is a big one for me. Okay, what else? Not flushing the toilet. Not following instructions. What else? Oh, talking back, so disrespect, another common one. Bedtime routine, okay, excellent. Hitting, okay, so meanness and whining. Oh, my goodness, everybody. (laughs) How many of you have a problem with whining, complaining, and bad attitudes in your family? Okay. How many of your kids have a problem with whining, complaining, and bad attitudes? Okay. It is a problem in family life, I'm telling you. It really is true. Well... I want to go back to one that was mentioned. Actually, Andrea mentioned it, and it was that they don't do what I say, basically. They, they don't follow instructions. And that's, gonna, that's sort of a good segue for going into the first uh, session that we're going to talk about. It is very common. I remember, I'll never forget this one time that uh, Tiffany was uh, kind of turning up the intensity a little bit in her instructions because the kids weren't listening. And finally, like probably every mother here, she was exasperated and she just threw up her hands and she says, doesn't anybody hear what I'm saying, you know? And, and Kate and my son, <laughs> he said, well, I see your lips moving. <laughs> oh, man. Well... Believe it or not, Caden is still with us to this day. (laughs) But fortunately, the Lord has given my wife an extraordinary amount of grace for which Caden and all of us are very grateful. (laughs) But this is common. A lot of times, not just moms, dads too, we we wonder, is anybody listening? Do they hear what I say? Well, before we um, get into the first session, I just want to give you this little little, uh, helpful hint. Before kids change... Parents have to change. The greatest challenge to being an effective parent is me. I find that, um, you know, if I'm going to be effective at, at helping my children change in the areas that they need to, I have to be willing to change. And I've, I've discovered over the years that God is teaching me a few things about life and about myself, and he's doing it through my children, whether I like it or not, because I'm a child of God, and he's parenting me. 
as my heavenly father. So uh, without further ado, I want to jump into session one. And in session one, we're going to talk about teaching kids to listen and follow instructions. And we want to talk about how to increase cooperation. And I believe a good instruction routine will help. Um, in this routine, you're going to see that we teach specific skills that really are helpful and necessary in all of life. Uh, it works with kids of all ages. It works with kids of all stages. It works with uh, kids who are dealing with specific um, special needs and challenges. Um, but, but one of the things that I thought we could... Uh, might be helpful for you is something that we do in our house, and that is we give practical working definitions for some of the concepts that we want our kids to understand. And, and when we talk about teaching kids to listen and follow instructions, we're talking about this, this quality of cooperation. You want your kids to be able to cooperate, don't you? Well, for some kids, you need to emphasize certain aspects of cooperation. And for one child, you might just say uh, cooperation is a willingness to work together to accomplish a task. You know, some kids are just unwilling uh, to, to do anything to help out. Now, you might have another child who's, who's willing to do it, um, but they've just got a crummy attitude the whole way. And so for them, you might say, you know, cooperation is responding to my instructions with a good attitude. Um, we, we have a little simple working definition for honor in our family, and it's, and it's just this. Honor is treating people special doing more than expected, and having a good attitude. And uh, so we remind our kids of that quite often in family life. Now, another um, little definition for cooperation might just be willing, uh, that child being willing to give up their agenda for the sake of others. You know, sometimes kids get in, you know, engrossed in something that they're doing, whether it's playing video games or talking on the phone or, you know, whatever it might be, but they've got their own agenda and they're not prepared to be interrupted graciously. And we're going to talk about that as we go along. And uh, there are some common mistakes, though, that we make along the way in this, in this process of teaching cooperation. One of them, and, and I'm sure that none of you have, have fallen into this, but, you know, like people in California do, and it's arguing and yelling... <laughs> and nagging and threatening and repeating and all of this kind of a deal. This is the routine that we typically have. Um, now, in a minute, I'm going to talk about a five-step routine, an instruction routine that takes five steps. And it's not rocket science, as you'll see as we go through it. It's just simple, common-sense kinds of things, but things that often are overlooked. They're, they're just subtle little things, but they make all of the difference in the world. But first of all, I want to tell you why this is important. What is the value of instructions and, and having a routine? Um, and the value is just this. Number one, it gives you motivation because one of the things that we lack in, in our parenting, you know, if you've noticed, it can be very inconvenient to, to be a parent and to give instructions. A lot of times we have our own agenda too. We're trying to do things. We've got all this, you know, just... Uh, responsibilities throughout the course of a day. And, and sometimes, you know, it's just not worth it. <laughs> you know, it's just, look, fight it out. I don't care, you know. And, and you just, you're, you're busy up to your elbows in laundry or, or bills or, you know, buying groceries or whatever it is. And, and we just don't seem to have enough strength to, to do what we need to do at any given time. But a good instruction routine will help motivate you. Uh, to do it. Another thing is it has character built in because these kids aren't always going to be kids, are they? And, and taking out the garbage isn't really about taking out the garbage, is it? 
I mean, why do we give our children chores? Why do we give them instructions? Is it not because we are teaching them certain things that are going to be necessary for life? We want them to be hardworking. We want them to be responsible. We want them to be able to take uh, instruction and respect authority and, and all of these kind of things. If they're going to be successful in life, uh, they're going to have to have the character as they go forth into life. And so um, this is all part of the teaching process. Um, you may remember uh, a story in the Old Testament. This is, this is really an illustration of the principle that we're going to be talking about. Um, king Saul, Israel's first king. Listen to what God said of King Saul. And you remember the story? He started out well. He, was, he had a lot of things going for him. But the bottom line is he got the kingdom taken away. And the Lord said, I am grieved that I've made Saul king because he's not carried out my instructions. And then it goes on. And you remember Samuel, the prophet in Israel at that time. It says, Samuel cried out to the Lord all night. First Samuel fifteen eleven. And I thought to myself, you know, isn't that just like parents? <laughs> we are grieved when we see that our kids cannot follow instructions. Why? Because we know it's going to bring grief into their life. It's going to bring problems. They're going to have problems in their marriage. They're going to have problems in, their, in the workplace. They're going to have problems in relationships. And, and, and like Samuel, we can find ourselves crying out all night to the Lord. God, please get a hold of their heart. They've got to learn to follow instructions. Now, nowhere is this more true than in the workplace. In this next little clip, we'll tell you what I mean. This is my dad, this is my mom, and this is my big sister Marsha, and this is my little sister Jenny, and this is me, and this is my big happy family. I hire teenagers to work for me. Some of them do quite well. Others, well, it doesn't seem like they have a clue. In fact, some kids today, it doesn't even seem like they know how to follow a simple instruction. Okay, let's see. How do we get this thing working? Okay, here we go. This is gonna be good. Richard, this isn't a good time to be working on your project. Marsha, come down here and set the table. Jenny, put that video game away and let's get ready for dinner. Okay, in a minute. Oh, these kids never help out. Jenny! Well, yes, they are teenagers, but they are trying to enter into the workplace. And that means they have to know how to follow instructions. Now, when I give a job to one of my employees, I expect that they get it done. I guess what I'm looking for is some indicators that they've heard me and that they intend to get the job done and I see them doing it. I like it when employees tell me that they've finished the job. I can then mark it off my mental to-do list. But sometimes, working with teenagers, it can be frustrating because they don't report back. I have to continue to go and check on them. Go to your room! What? That's not fair! What do you mean, not fair? I told you to clean up ten times! 
Yeah, but how do I know when you really mean it? You'd think kids would learn these things growing up. Okay, well, let's jump into this routine. Remember, I told you there's five steps to this routine. Step one for the parent is to get close to your child. This is the beginning of a good routine. And the reason is because we need to break our children's concentration. So often they are engrossed, as I said, in something else that they're doing, and we need to break their concentration. There's, not gonna, there's no need to be yelling through the house, yelling down the grocery aisle, yelling across the parking lot. Uh, so often our decibel level in family life is just way up there because we get into a routine. Now, you may think that this is kind of a complicated routine. Wow, five steps, until you stop and realize, wait a minute, I've already got a routine. <laughs> the only question is, is it effective? Is it building character into your children? Is it a good routine? We already have the threatening and nagging and repeating routine. I'm just saying, let's try a new routine, something that builds characters, something that's effective and accomplishes more and, and, um, and just contributes to a, a more peaceful atmosphere in the home. Now, to accomplish this, first of all, you need to make physical contact. Sometimes you just need to get up and go to your child. Um, and that can make all the difference in the world. Just going over, putting your hand on their shoulder. Uh, with my little girls, sometimes I'll go over and I'll, I'll just kind of cup their face in my hands and I'll turn their little heads to me, um, you know, because they're playing pet shops. And when they're playing pet shops, <laughs> there's nothing that can get in the way unless dad grabs their little face and, you know. And, and so sometimes I just have to literally make physical contact with them and touch them and, and, and be near them. And it makes all the difference. Now, sometimes just eye contact. You know, I want them to be looking right here. And uh, sometimes we joke about that in family life. Even my kids do that to me because sometimes I'm not listening. They'll go, Dad. And finally they'll look at me and they'll go, like this, you know. And so I know I need to make eye contact. And, uh, you know, so uh, sometimes I teach them too well these things and uh, it, it backfires on me. But this is the first step. Now, why do we do this? Here's, here's the goal, and you need to jot this down. The goal is to use physical closeness to raise the felt value. You're raising the felt value of the instruction. You're saying to them, you're conveying to them, this is important. And it teaches them honor. And it treats them with honor. And so this is, this is the goal at this point in the routine. Now, just think about it. If you're at work... And your boss comes in and he literally comes into your office and sits down next to you. You are going to tend to pay closer attention than if you get a memo that he wants to see you or has something to say to you. Or if he calls you on the phone or if he rings you on the intercom. It's, it's just different if all of a sudden he walks through the door and says, I have something to say. Okay. It just raises the value of the instruction. You realize, hey, if, if, if my boss is right here looking at me, uh, then I'd better be listening. And so this sets the stage for cooperation uh, for your children. Um, and, you know, they tend to not really value instructions. Uh, they seem to not really care. They're easily distracted. They wander. They, they forget. And, uh, you know, the, ni <laughs> the nice thing, how many times have you heard this? I know every parent's heard this. I would, but I didn't hear you. 
Okay, we're going to deal with that right now. We're going to just kick that out the back door because we're going to make physical contact. We're going to make eye contact. And this I didn't hear you thing isn't going to continue to be a problem. And now, step one for the child is to learn to come when they're called. That's their job. They need to learn to come when they're called. You're not going to get too far in the instruction routine if your child's running the other way, right? And, um, you know, so often I see parents in the grocery store trying to train their kids in this principle. <laughs> That's like the final exam, okay? You need to, tra- you need to train at home. You need, to, you need to do this at home. And, you know, uh, you, you want to train them to come to you and to, to say, what, mom, what, dad? And when you do that at home, you won't have to do it in public. They'll just... They'll do it naturally. It's something that, that it's just second nature to them. Now, um, I will say this. Um, it, it is going to take some creativity on your part, but I want to show you a little bit, kind of demonstrate how I did it with my daughter, Haley. I've done it with all the kids, but I remember with Haley when she was about, I don't know, maybe two, two years old. Uh, because you may be wondering, can little kids learn this? Absolutely. People all over the world successfully train their puppies to come when they're called. <laughs> Surely we can train our children, uh, it, but it does take training. It takes repetition. It takes, you know, you have to be on it. So I have Haley. She's two years old, and I heard about this, this little tool, and I thought, you know what? That sounds good. I think I'm going to try that. So I came to her, and I said, we call it the come when you're called game. Okay, the come when you're called game. Hi, sweetie. Do you want to learn a new game? Yeah, daddy, want to play a game? Okay, great. It's called the come when you're called game. <laughs> little, now, this little kids, right? And I say, okay, come here, sweetie. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to take you into your bedroom, and I'm going to sit you on your bed. So we walk back there and I say, now, I'm going to walk back into the family room and sit down and I'm going to call your name. And when I call your name, I want you to come right away. Come when you're called. And I want you to come. I want you to stand here and just say, what, daddy? Okay. Okay, daddy. So we go back there and I sit around her bed. I turn around and start walking down the hall and all of a sudden, thump, 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 thump. Uh, and it's like, oh, wait a minute. I didn't call your name, did I? So I take her back Yeah, I sit around her bed. Now, remember... You're going to come when you're called, but you stay here until you hear daddy's voice. Okay, daddy. And I went back in there. That time I got back to the, so, back to the couch in the, in the family room, and about the time I sat down, it was just killing her. And thump, 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 thump. She comes walking down the hall, and she's just a big grin on her face, and she's daddy. And I said, wait a minute, you, you little rule breaker, come on. And I take her back, and I set her back on the bed. I said, sweetie, remember, this is the come when you're called game, and I'm going to call your name. I'm going to say, Haley, and then you come when you're called. But stay here until you're here. Do you understand? Okay, Daddy. So I take her back down. I sit her on her bed. And I go back down. And this time, she stayed. And I, and I test her. I said, Barney. And she giggles. And she says, name's Haley. <laughs> and so uh, I said, okay, Haley. And so she comes running. And I give her a high five and a tickle and a noogie and a hug and a kiss. And I just kind of make it a big celebration. Like, you did it. That's awesome. This is so fun. And let's try it again. I said, where do you want to go? She's like, I want to go you know, upstairs. Where so we went to another part in the house. And we did this come when you're called game for probably 20 or 30 minutes. It was great. So well, the thing is, is once they learn it, again, you're not having to teach it to them in, the, in public places. It's just second nature. They just come when they're called. And you have to practice. And I'll tell you, you have to practice it 50 times a day. When you're first learning it, you just over and over and over and over. And after a while, it's just second nature. They will just come when they're called. And uh, so, now, I do not recommend that you do this with your teenager. (laughs) You want to play the come when you're called game? Dad, my parents are 
So what you can do though, because I don't want you to miss this, you can do this with your teenagers, but you just have a dialogue. You just have a discussion with them. Say, you know what? We're just doing a lot of yelling in family life. If you notice that, we're just always yelling. Even when we're not angry, but we're just wanting to talk to each other to get each other's attention. We're just yelling all the time. It's just so, you know, stressful and it's dishonoring. And so we're just going to do something different. We're, gonna, we're just going to start a new routine in family life. And here's the way it's going to be. I'm going to call your name. When I call your name, I want you to come when you're called. That's it. And, uh, and sometimes you're going to be looking for me and, and I want you to come to me. Sometimes I will come to you. Um, but we're going to really work on getting close to each other to communicate because it, it's just an honoring way to interact. It's very dishonoring to just be yelling all the time. Now, let me warn you. When you start this with kids that are older and they're not used to this, it's going to take some time. I mean, they're, <laughs> they're used to this decibel level in family life. And I'll, I remember one time with, with Caden, I mean, it was incredible how long he could just yell, Dad! And so I just let him yell it out. I thought, he'll figure it out. Finally, he's like, didn't you hear me? Oh, I heard you. <laughs> and I just did. But you know, you remember we talked about this? It's, it's dishonoring. I'm not, I don't want you to be screaming all over the place. You come to me if you want to talk to me. Now, I say, now you say, but aren't you kind of yelling to get them to come when they're called? Not necessarily. First of all, I still am the parent. I mean, the child needs to do what I say. And, and that's just, you know, a common sense authority thing. But sometimes, I'm not saying you never have to yell. I mean, sometimes I just holler because it's just more effective because, you know, if they hear me and, they, and they've been trained to come when they're called, it saves me from having to run up the step and down the stairs all day. And so that's, I'm not saying you can't ever do that. It's just don't continue to do that as a way of life, just always yelling everywhere. Sometimes you just have to get up and go and train them to do the same. And uh, again, with teen, it's, it works with kids of all ages. This works with spouses. You know, I mean, it just, it's just really a, a, a more helpful way to communicate. Now, step two for the parent is consider the timing. Uh, is this the best time? Have you ever noticed that sometimes, <laughs> you know, you will have an instruction for your child, but that you meet with such resistance? And part of the reason you meet with such resistance is because you haven't stopped to think and, and honor them and consider them. I mean, they have a life too, and they get involved in things just like you do. And, and if you're just always yanking them out of the stuff that they're doing and just demanding that they drop what they're doing, then you need to expect that you're going to meet some resistance. I'm not saying it's okay if they're disrespectful or throw a tantrum. I'm just saying don't be surprised if it happens if you don't put a little bit more forethought and effort into this, you need to consider the timing. I'll never forget one time Haley came home from school and I already <laughs> had this agenda. I mean, there were chores to do, there was homework to do, there was things to do and I, you know, we were running around doing stuff and she came through the door and immediately just jumped on her until I realized that you know, she just kind of burst into tears and I realized, you know, I, did, I didn't even greet her. I didn't say, hey, sweetie, welcome home. Glad you're home. None of that. Um, I just jumped in right away with my agenda. And I finally realized, you know, maybe there's something she needs to talk about. Maybe there's something that happened in her world. And, and I need to, you know, care about that. And so sat down and said, what's wrong, honey? And, and she said, I said, why don't you tell me about your day? And it turns out that there's this little trio of friends, you know, and... And um, she had done something that, that 
offended her two friends. And so they basically kind of shunned her for the day. And of course, for a little girl, that's like, <laughs> I mean, that was like the great tribulation, you know? It was, it was, a, it was a, a real tough thing on her. And so, you know, she was having to learn a tough lesson just about how to treat people. And, you know, she had done something that, that, that really was offensive to them. But, well, you know, she just didn't know how to deal with it. And um, so we worked through it. And then we could get on with the, the other agendas and the other things that needed to be done. But I just realized, I was reminded, you know, I, I need to consider the timing. Is this the best time to give an instruction? Um, and a little sensitivity here can really avoid a lot of problems later and foster cooperation with your kids. Um, and the thing that it communicates to your child is you are more important than the task. And that's really important, I think, because as parents, we oftentimes, we are task-oriented because our responsibilities are so great and they're, we're so busy. Um, but this adds relationship to the process. Again, this isn't rocket science, is it? It's just common sense, but we, we get sloppy sometimes. We get lazy and careless in the way we're interacting. And, and then we wonder why the whole system breaks down. So consider the timing. Now, step two for the child. They need to always be ready to receive an instruction. Um, you know, by me saying that you need to consider the timing, I'm not saying that you always need to postpone the instruction. All right? I'm not saying that you, you know, it's up to the child when you give instructions because, quite frankly, some kids kind of leave with the impression that there's never a good time to give me an instruction, right? And, and that's not okay. And so you still are the parent, and, um, and you need to, they need to be ready to receive an instruction and, and have this conversation with them. Tell them, I expect you to always be ready to re receive an instruction in a respectful and gracious way and, and require that of them. There's a great proverb, Proverbs 12.1 says, whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. <laughs> I love the bluntness of the scripture sometimes because we need it. Sometimes we can, you know, that, that rebellion, um, they, just, they just need to understand this is just, this really is not wise. It's going to be a problem. And uh, so um, this, is, this is something that we see in, uh, all of family life, there's opportunities. One of the things right now that's very common is video games, where kids get so wrapped up in what they're doing with the video game that what's the thing we commonly hear as parents when our kids are, are playing video games and we have to give them instruction? What's, what do you hear the minute you, you call their name and give an instruction? Just a minute, just a second. In a minute, I've got, I've got to get to the next level. I've got, hold on, I've got to save it. You know, I mean, there's all this stuff going on, right? And what we tell our kids is you can have this privilege, but freedom and responsibility go together. Privilege and responsibility go together. And if you're not willing to be mature about this, if you're not able to respond graciously and respectfully, if you're not ready to receive an instruction at a moment's notice then you're not ready for that freedom. You're not ready for that privilege. We just take the privilege away. It's amazing how quickly they grow up. How <laughs> they get mature quickly when they realize, hey, maybe they're serious about this. <laughs> and so they've got to be ready to receive an instruction. Now, this is really important uh, because if, if we tell our kids, you've got to learn how to obey and listen to my instructions now so that you're ready to learn to listen and obey God later. 
They're not going to be able to hear God's voice. I, I, probably 85% of what I do during the course of a week is, is counseling, marriage counseling. And what the common, one of the common themes um, in all of marriage counseling, one of the common denominators in people in any kind of crisis is they're not listening to God. They're not trusting God. They don't even know how to hear God's voice. And we see in the scripture that in the story of Samuel, I think a sort of a fascinating principle. When you read 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 1, it says the word of the Lord was rare in those days. And you have to ask yourself, why? <laughs> Could it be that God's people just weren't listening? There was a point where God just kind of stops talking. And, and why would he talk to people who aren't listening? I mean, God is long-suffering, and he, he stays at it for a long time. But there's a point where God says, okay, you're on your own. And that's a scary thing. But as you follow that story, it's amazing because God spoke to a boy named Samuel. There was a little boy named Samuel. He may have been a, a teenager, but, um, you know, in Sunday school, they show him as a little boy. And I kind of like that. He's probably a little older than that. But at any rate, he was a young person. He was a young person. He certainly was not an adult yet. But he worked in the temple, lived with the priest Eli. And you know the story, middle of the night, the Lord speaks to Samuel, says, Samuel, he gets up and he runs to Eli. He was well-trained. He knew how to come when he was called, right? That's where this is rooted, by the way, this principle in scripture. It's, it's a great example, a great story. He came when he was called. He understood authority. He was ready to receive an instruction. He said, Eli, you called. He says, no, I didn't. Go back to bed. He goes back to bed. Samuel, he gets up, runs to Eli, does this three times. Finally, Samuel doesn't have a clue what's going on. Eli starts to get smart and he says, hey, maybe the Lord's talking to this boy. He says, tell you what, Samuel, you go back and this time when you hear the voice, you say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel goes back. Samuel, Samuel, he hears the voice again. He says, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And that day, God began to speak to a young boy named, Saul, named Samuel. And I think this is a really important for us to understand. God has things to say to our kids. And you think he's going to wait until they're grownups? He wants them to learn to recognize his voice and listen to the Holy Spirit even when they're young. They can hear from God. And they need that practice now so that when they're older, they can hear from God. And they know how to come when they're called. There's another great example of someone who didn't know how to come when they were called. And that's the story of Jonah. The Lord called Jonah, gave him an instruction. He, like a little three-year-old throwing a tantrum in a grocery store, ran the other way, didn't he? And God dealt with Jonah. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But I'll tell you, this is important stuff from God's point of view. Need to be ready. Now, step three for a parent is give the instruction. Notice we're clear to step three in a five-step process, and we haven't even given the instruction. It, this is how subtle it is. We, we just tend to launch right into barking orders, right, and giving commands, and we think that's the instruction routine. No, it's not. There's got to be some, we've got to lay a little bit of a, of a foundation. We've got to set it up a little bit through those, those initial couple of steps. And that's how we're going to foster cooperation and, and a sense of relationship. Now, when you give the instruction, the way that you give the instruction is very, very important. And again, if, if the communication process hasn't broken down until now, this is usually when it does. 
It's not so much what you're saying, but it's the way you're saying it. Isn't that true in married life? <laughs> Sometimes we say things to each other that need to be said, but we say it with the wrong kind of attitude, the wrong kind of expression, the wrong kind of tone. And what does it do? It can set the other person off and it just creates conflict. And it's the same thing with your kids. The way you give the instruction is important. Now with kids especially, you don't wanna be overly, overly harsh. You don't wanna be harsh at all. You can be firm, but there's a difference between being firm and being harsh. You don't have to pour a bunch of emotional intensity into it. Just talk to them in just a real simple matter-of-fact tone. And, and they need to go away understanding this is not up for debate. It's not an opinion. It's not a suggestion. This is an instruction. And sometimes, um, you know, we'll say things like, you know, it's getting late. You should probably um, go get your pajamas on and brush your teeth and get ready for bed. <laughs> is, is this an instruction or is this a suggestion? Here's what the child hears. I have options. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you. It needs to be just matter of fact to the point. I suggest that you start by using their name. Say you need to and then give the instruction and then just finish with, with now. Haley, it's time for you to put away your coloring. Go get your pajamas on, brush your teeth and get in bed right now. Okay, daddy. And it's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. And it's, I'm not saying it's easy. This stuff takes practice and follow through and consistency and all the rest. But it, it's not complicated at all. And uh, when we don't have the right tone, when we don't consider how we're giving the instruction, then we short circuit the learning process. Because here's so often what happens. We get irritated and we say it in an angry tone. And the child goes away remembering one thing. And it's not what you told them to do. What really impacts them is they, they, here's what they remember. Mom's mad. Dad's upset again. And that's what they go away thinking about. They don't think about the instruction. I mean, they, they, they kind of, you know, get through it. But, but you've left the wrong kind of message on their heart, the wrong kind of impression. And uh, if they're not moving along, here's what we say. We say, if they start to say, well, can I just, no, wait, obey first, and then we'll talk about it. But I just want to, no, no, obey first, and then we'll talk about it. And obedience, we define for our kids, is doing what someone says right away without being reminded. Doing what someone says right away without being reminded. Obey first, and then we'll talk about it. Now, here's the thing. Once they master that skill and they learn to obey first, and then they earn the privilege of a wise appeal. You say, what's a wise appeal? A wise appeal is when they really do have a need to bring something to your attention. In other words, they're not trying to get out of following the instruction. They're not being disobedient and rebellious. I mean, they legitimately have a, uh, something they need to talk about with you. Now, you don't want to you know, be so rigid that your kids never have a voice. And you certainly don't want them growing up just fo blindly following any leader just because I'm supposed to obey first, right? I mean, they need, to, they need to be discerning. And so what you do is you teach them the obedience part, and then once they learn that, then they, they earn the right to a wise appeal. And then this is rooted in Scripture as well. You look at Nehemiah. You look at Daniel and his friends. You look at these, Joseph, I mean, there's people that God placed in situations that were difficult, very difficult. 
but they were willing, they were humble about it. They had learned to be under authority, but it doesn't mean that they weren't discerning and wise. It doesn't mean that they never appealed to authority. They did, but the way they did it was wise. And you want to teach your children that, that if they have something they need to say, then you will be happy to listen to them once they learn the obedience part. And I tell them that ahead of time. You know what, honey? I know you want to say something that's important to you, but you've been struggling with first-time obedience. So we're going to go back to doing first-time obedience for the, for the next couple of days. And when I see... And then practice it. Give them lots of practice so they can be successful. And it may only take a day. And when you see them responding the first time, then you can reinstate the wise appeal privilege. And, and when they say a wise appeal, they just need to come to you in a respectful, wise way and just say, hey, daddy, I know that you want me to go get my pajamas on and brush my teeth. But I'm having a problem with that because um, mommy just told me to do something else and I'm not sure what to do. Would it be okay if I do what she said first and then go brush my teeth? Do you follow? Sometimes there's, there's legitimate things that they're struggling with and all they have to do, and this is really common. The right hand doesn't know what the left hand's doing. There's many times this happens in family life. And so you need to give them that freedom and that privilege, but, but only when you see as a pattern that they first understand they need to obey. Because most of the time they don't need a wise appeal, but sometimes they do. So that you need to have both options. Okay, does that make sense? Okay. Step three for the child, they need to answer very simply, okay, mom, okay, dad. Now, I want to specify, this doesn't cut it, okay, mom, okay, whatever, you know, that's not okay. They need to answer in a respectful way, okay, mom, okay, dad. Now, this will tell you three things. Number one, it will tell you that they heard you. <laughs> Remember I said earlier, we, sometimes they make the excuse, well, I didn't hear you. Okay, well, as of today, we're going to eliminate that as an option because every time you come when you're called, you're going to say, what, mom? What, dad? Okay, mom. Okay, dad. There, there's going to be some, it's like a verbal contract <laughs> is what it is. And the second thing that this teaches you is that they intend to obey. If you see them moving, if they say, okay, mom, and you get up and you see their body moving, you know they're going to obey. And that's, that's good. By, by giving that answer, it, it, it helps you to know that. And then the third thing, and this is very important, it tells you what their attitude is. You know, again, sometimes it's like, okay, and they've just got a crummy attitude. Well, you may have to stop and discipline for that on the spot. The instruction may have to be postponed for a minute until you kind of deal with that. And then once the attitude's... And we'll talk about that with the discipline correction routine later in the next session. But for now, just understand that that's one of the things you're going to be looking for. And that's why you have them answer you. Because a lot of times they'll, they'll take off and, and you don't know, are they doing what I said? Or, you know, did we communicate here? And, and it takes the guessing out of it. Um, and do not... Uh, think to yourself, well, at least he's doing what I asked. Okay, he's got a crummy attitude, but at least he's doing it. And sometimes we settle for that. That's a big mistake. It's going to bring problems later in life. Uh, can you imagine a 16-year-old on their first job? <laughs> boss, the boss hollers down the aisle for them to come, and they're like, yeah, what do you want? <laughs> Don't bug me. I'm busy. 
You know, I mean, they're going to get fired. <laughs> they're not going to have a job. And so, you know, you need to real, they need to understand that life stops right here. If we don't see the intention and willingness to obey with the right attitude, then, then we're going to have to deal with that. Okay, step four for the parent, wait expectantly. Don't just yell the instruction and then forget. This is an important part of developing responsibility with your kids. You need to wait expectantly. They need to know that you're waiting. You may tell your son, you know, it's time to take a shower. Get up, go ahead and get the shower. And, and, and you go by the room and they're still laying there. Or they're just kind of sitting there, you know, like a zombie, you know. And, and I'm not saying this happens in my house, but okay, it does. But uh, anyway, you know, you may have to go by and say, hey, I don't, I don't hear the water running. And it's just a quick little reminder. Now, do not do, go on and on with lots of reminders. You might give them one just as a, you know, a little bit of help. But uh, you let them know that you're waiting. Sometimes um, Ashton, my, my middle daughter, the one that you know, is, has a hard time paying attention and, and tends to be in her own little world, she, it's amazing to me. I'll go in there. I mean, she's been up for 20 minutes. And I'll go in there and she's standing in front of her dresser in her underwear. Just kind of spacing out, just looking in her closet. And I'm thinking, is <laughs> Is Jesus in there? I mean, what are you, what are you looking at? And, 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 you know, it's just incredible to me. But I, I, so sometimes I'll just stand there. And the girls, the girls hate this, of course. Girls, you know, they want their modesty. And so I'm, <laughs> dad's standing there just watching them get dressed. And they don't like that. But every once in a while, I have to do that. I just have to stand there. Say, you know what? You guys just aren't moving this morning. I'm going to stand right here. And I'm going to watch you get dressed. And if, and if you don't move it along, I'm going to dress you. Now, Seven and eight and nine-year-old girls don't like it when daddy's dressing them. <laughs> and I can pretty much guarantee your 14-year-old ain't going to like it either. <laughs> so you wait expectantly, though. And that way they know. They have a responsibility. You put the weight of responsibility on their shoulders. And what I mean by that, and, and the weight of responsibility is that uncomfortable feeling that, that we get when there's something undone that we know we're responsible for. They need, they need to feel that. And, um, and sometimes you have to be firm. And uh, uh, help them along. Now, um, step four for the child. Complete the task. They complete the task while you wait. And like with my Ashton, you don't get distracted by toys or television or butterflies or anything. I mean, they need to follow through. They do it as if they're on a mission. And sometimes I will even post, we'll even kind of talk about some of those working definitions. Uh, you need to, for little kids, break the task into smaller parts um, here's one of those uh, little definitions. Responsibility means completing a job without being reminded. Okay? For another child, it might be just report back when the job's done. Let me know. I don't know if it's done or not. You just kind of disappeared. Okay? Uh, but they, they have to do it um, as if on a... Oops, I jumped ahead. Sorry. Let me catch up here. Um, sometimes... You, you need to break the task into smaller parts. And an example of this might be, we have a playroom and it's, you know, it's got everything your typical playroom would have in it, you know, toys and dolls and videos and, you know, all that stuff. And uh, we've got three little girls and sometimes I really don't know what they do in there. I don't think they play. I think they just grab things and throw them and that's the game. Let's just throw things around the room <laughs> because I go in there and it's just like a tornado hit that place. And I'll walk around. You know, I'll never forget the time, the first time that I thought, I'm going to send them on a mission to clean this thing. They were really little. I said, I want you guys to go clean the playroom. They went, they went in there. And, 
I kind of went in the other room for a minute and I didn't hear any sound, so I went in there. And I went in and they just, their little lips are quivering. They just, they were totally overwhelmed by this task. And I realized, you know, they need me to break this up for them. They need to see some hope, <laughs> some potential that this could be done. And so I had to tell them, I said, okay, here's what I'm going to do, sweetie. Uh, Sailor, I want you to pick up all the little dollies, okay? You pick up the dollies and the dolly clothes. Now, Ashton, I want you to pick up the videos and their little covers and cases. And Haley, you pick up all of the toys, any kind of toys, Duplos and Legos and, you know, whatever. And then I said, no, no, I want you to come back and let me know when you're done. And so each of them, I said, come on, we can do this, we're a team. And I kind of got enthusiastic about it. I said, go for it. And I sat there and I waited expectantly. I watched them. I said, and if they get distracted and start picking up puzzle pieces or something and they're supposed to be doing doll clothes, I said, well, well, wait a minute, that's not doll clothes. You're just doll clothes. Leave that for your sister. You know, and okay, I'll leave that for her, you know. And, and, but pretty soon, you know, I helped them to learn to break a task into smaller parts. Is this important in life? Of course it is. There's lots of things in life that are overwhelming. You know, where do I begin? Well, how about right here? Just do one thing. And when you're done with that, do the next thing. It's the same in our character. God's working on us. Sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel so overwhelmed with my own character, with my kid's character. I'm going, good grief. Where do I start? God said, just one thing, John. <laughs> just go pick up the doll clothes. Okay, Lord. And, and so, you know, we, we just start somewhere and break it up into smaller parts. And that really helps them uh, a lot. Now, Step five. Now, notice in step five, the child initiates, not, the, not you. The child initiates by reporting back. In this last step, they come first. And, and this demonstrates another aspect of responsibility. Um, as we saw in that little video clip, that, that employer, he's saying, you know, I like it when they, when they complete the job, and then they come back and let me know that it's done. How many of you are employers? Any employers here? Okay. You like it, don't you, Pastor, when, when your employees, not only do they do a good job, but they let you know they did it. Because you've got plenty on your plate. You've got other things you're doing, and, and you want to know that you can trust them to do a good job. And, and, and you don't have to always wonder, is this being done well? Is it being done at all? Is, you know, and, um, and so this teaches kids accountability. It teaches them teamwork and valuing others. Um, and it basically communicates, I know this is important. I know this job that you've asked me to do is important. Now, for the parent, this is our last step. Uh, you need to inspect and release. This is very important because this is an opportunity to teach your kids about your value system, values like thoroughness. You may have a 14-year-old that you send in to clean the kitchen, but your standard of clean is probably a lot different than your 14-year-old's. <laughs> You're going in there and your feet are sticking to the floor and, and, and you're, you're, you're looking at the counter and it's just sloppy and, and you're going, did you wring out the rag? Did you, I mean, what do you, and, and there's just stuff that is just kind of not done well. And it's important that at this point you teach them how to do things well. Now, I want to emphasize something at this point because I think as parents we can go an unhealthy direction with this. Teach them to do their best, not your best. Because, and, and I really have to work at this because as I said, I'm kind of a type A guy and you know, I'll never forget the first time I taught my son to mow the lawn. Oh my goodness. I didn't know a lawn could look like that. 
and uh, there's these tufts of grass sticking up everywhere, and you know, and 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 the 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 lines are like this, and I'm just kind of having a hard time. I was kind of developing a little twitch when I looked out there, and and I, I just was like, this is not straight. This is not good. And and then I, I you know, the Lord just kind of spoke to my heart, and He just said, John, you're raising him to be a man, and he's got to start somewhere, and you need to help, you know, teach him to do it well, but you've also got to you know, relax about this. Remember, mowing the lawn isn't about mowing the lawn unless you've got short-term goals as a parent. You need to think bigger. You need to realize they're, they're, gonna, they're gonna do things not as well as you at first. But here's the cool thing, you guys. I think a big reason parents are so exhausted today is because they haven't trained their kids to just do a lot of the the chores and the tasks around the house to pull their weight in family life. I grew up my whole life. My mom's saying, you got she was a single mom. She said, you got to pull your weight, Johnny. I mean, she made us work hard. And, and I am a hard worker today because my mom was right there with her sleeves rolled up. I'm not saying slave labor. My mom, my mom is the hardest worker I've ever known. She works circles around most people. Um, and it, but she was right there with me working. And it was, you know, I just don't know how to be any other way. In fact, I have a, a really low tolerance for lazy people. And this is a, this is a challenge for me in, in family life because if my kid, you know, my kids, we all are lazy. I mean, let's face it, I'm lazy too. We all take the path of least resistance. I have an aversion to pain just like anybody. And, and so that's normal. But we have to develop the character in them that says, you know, I'm going to do what's right rather than what feels good. This is really important. I'm going to get up out of bed and get ready for the day rather than even though my pillow is much more friendly and I want to be here. You know, there's, we, we have to make choices like that in life. And so, but, but you need to roll up your sleeves and do it with them. But just understand this inspect and release is important because you do need to teach qualities like thoroughness. And, and that's very, very important. Um, someone once said, kids know what you expect by what you inspect. And I think that that's, that's really true. But again, teach them to do their best, not yours. You don't want inadvertently to teach your kids that they can never please you. Because that's a heavy burden for kids. And we can be overly critical. I know I can. I, I, if I could turn back the clock about 10 years and start over with my oldest son. Because, you know, we make a lot of our worst mistakes with that oldest child you know you're just kind of learning on the job and and i just feel that's that's one of the biggest flaws i think in my parenting with caden has been i've just been too hard on him you know i just i've just been a little too intense that way and i'm i'm learning i'm growing in grace you know i'm as he gets older i i'm starting to correct some of that but that's for a long time that's the way that i have been and um, uh, one of the great things too about this, and, and this is a principle rooted in scripture, is you contribute to a clear conscience with your kids. Because kids know if they've done a sloppy job, generally. Especially as they get older. They know if they've done their best or not. And if as a way of life, they just get used to doing things halfway. It's, it's a heavy thing to carry in their conscience. They're, they're violating their conscience. And so by inspecting, you're giving them freedom. You're giving them a gift of freedom by saying, hey, good job. You can go play. Thanks. That really helps a lot. I appreciate what you did. And it gives them freedom. It's a real gift. And again, this is rooted in scripture, the, the parable of the faithful steward, Matthew 25. And you guys can consider that later. I won't go through it. Um, now, 
um, as I wrap this up, as I wrap this up, I just want to encourage you that um, you do need to practice this in family life. It, it's going to take practice. You might give your kids several instructions, have a family meeting and say, you know what? I've got several instructions uh, today and we're going to practice and, and do the come when you're called game. Do the just simple instruction and just practice. Let them know we're practicing, we're training. And, uh, and they might not like it at first. Too bad. You're just going to do it. It's part of you know family life. It's it's really important. Now, that sort of leads me to conclude with this story. I remember when I was a, a young boy, I was a gymnast, and I I trained at a at a at an academy like five hours a day, six days a week. It was really it was kind of an Olympic training center in Eugene, and I had this coach. He was a he was a Japanese coach. His name was Miso. Talk about intense. Good grief, this guy. He um, walked around with his shoe in his hand. And that's what he used to motivate us. And, uh, but I remember one time I was working um, loops on the pommel horse, you know, the double leg circles. And I, and I was doing it, but I kept falling off. And I was just working as hard as I could. I was sweating it out. I was a pretty motivated kid. And, and, uh, but he yelled at everybody. Just, that's, he only knew one way. And... and so he scared us. We were all scared of him. And one day I was over there working these loops and I was falling off and getting back up and falling off. Finally, he booms across the gym. He says, Johnny! I thought, oh, he's going to kill me. And so, I, would, so I, I ran over there and I'm standing before him and like a little soldier like he trained us to do. And, um, and he says, Johnny, you think a practice make a perfect? And I said, yes, Miso, practice makes perfect. Because... I mean, that's what I'd always been taught. I thought that was true. And he says, no, no practice make a perfect. <laughs> now I was scared and confused. <laughs> I'm looking at him like, oh. And he says, a perfect practice make a perfect. And, I th and that always stuck with me. And to this day, when I look back, I'm going, wow, that's good. You know, and I, and I realized that what he was saying is, John, I can see you're working hard, but you're doing it wrong, and you're getting good at it. <laughs> and I've often thought how true this is of parenting. We are doing the best we know how to do, aren't we? We love those kids. We're pouring our best into them. But in certain areas, without realizing, we're doing it wrong, and we're getting good at it. And it's important that, that we listen to the Lord. We be humble about this. We be teachable and we realize, you know what? There's some principles here that seem to be rooted in the word of God. It's the way God treats us. I mean, this just rings true. It's, it, it's true to life experience. My kids need to know this stuff. And um, just, just remember that uh, you're preparing them to walk with the Lord. So how do I do this? Well, as I said before, start slow. Pick one area. Expect resistance. But don't be deterred. People talk about strong-willed kids. What about weak-willed parents? <laughs> I think more often that's what's going on. I mean, who's in charge? I love one guy, one parenting expert. I heard one time, he said, he said you know my cardinal rule of parenting is win. <laughs> and I thought, well, that's a little harsh. And he went on to say, he said, he said why? He said, it's the rules the kids are playing by. Somebody's going to win. 
Now, I'm not suggesting, nor was he really, that you have some kind of adversarial relationship with your kids. But it is true, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> they need you to be in charge. And, and you're not helping them by letting them be in charge. You have got to be strong-willed yourself in a, in a healthy way. And uh, remember, the goal is character. It's hard work, but it's worth it. Now, here's what we're going to do. I was going to do small group discussion, but this, oh, I never have time for this. I'm going to put these up here so that you guys can just reflect on it. Um, yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Back up. Okay. Um, in our break time. We're going to take a break here in just a second, but here's what I want to do. Um, let's see. Yes, we're going to take a break in a second, but I want you to... Um, watch this video because it's going to tell you about the resources that we have. Now, I didn't bring a ton of resources with me um, on this trip, but we have what we have back there. I encourage you to, to um, uh, check it out. And we have the, you, there's little forms that I left in your, that are in your um, manuals there that it's just a purchase order form that you can fill out ahead of time so you don't have to do it up there in line. Um, but this video will kind of tell you what those things are all about so you won't have too many questions when you go up there. But if you do have questions, my wife, Tiffany, will be happy to, happy to answer them. I'm going to just kind of hang out and be available. If, if you guys, no doubt, as I've been saying these things, of course, your mind's cranking on your kids and your own home life. And you're thinking, wow, you know, this sounds, sounds like it might work, but what about this? And you're going to have different scenarios throughout the day that you're going to want to ask about. And I want to be just as available to you as possible to, to do what I can to help you. So feel free to come and chat with me. But let's watch this for a second, and then you guys can take about a 15-minute break. We want to take a moment and welcome you to Parenting is Hard Work. The things you're hearing in this seminar are just a few of the strategies you'll want to consider for your family. The fact that you're here makes an important statement about your willingness to grow and strengthen your parenting. We have other resources we want you to know about in case you want more of the same kinds of things you're hearing here. We created the Parenting is Heart Work training manuals and CDs to be a tool to help parents move from simple behavior modification to a heart-based approach. You can use these alone or find another parent to work through this program in 16 sessions. It's designed to use in our Parent Mentor Program. These eight workbooks and CDs are so helpful for parents because they cover eight common areas we all need help in. Helping children learn cooperation, dealing with bad attitudes in kids and parents, and teaching children to accept no as an answer are just a few topics covered. They are practical tools with hands-on suggestions to strengthen your parenting. We wrote the book Parenting is Heart Work after doing a study of the 750 times the word heart is used in the Bible. We identify nine functions of the heart and then give parents practical ideas for developing a heart-based approach to parenting. Awana bought 5,000 copies of this book to use in their parent training program. Our book, Say Goodbye to Whining, Complaining, and Bad Attitudes in You and Your Kids, is a completely different approach to parenting. It takes the biblical concept of honor and applies it to family life in some fun ways. We define honor as treating people as special, doing more than what's expected, and having a good attitude. We apply honor to sibling conflict in other areas of family life. We even include eight family together times at the end of the book so you can take this concept of honor and apply it in your family. Good and Angry, Exchanging Frustration for Character in You and Your Kids identifies seven things that make parents angry. 
I know you think there are more than that, but these seven areas provide opportunities to help parents develop character in their kids. For example, some children are just plain annoying. What they need are two character qualities, sensitivity and self-control. We show you in this chapter how to develop those qualities in your children. The chapter in this book on lying is extremely valuable. It gives parents a 10-question lie detector test to use to teach your children about the truth. Each one of these books approaches parenting challenges from a different perspective. Home Improvement is the parenting book you can read to your kids. Each chapter starts with a fictional story about a family that learns parenting tools. As you read this to your children, they'll learn to see family challenges from the parent's perspective instead of just from their own viewpoint. Eight key principles are covered in this book, including a plan to help children deal with their anger and a character development plan to address most any problem you have in family life. We have several sets of CDs teaching about parenting. Two in particular you might want to consider are Parenting is Hard Work, covering several practical ways that you can help children change on a heart level, not just their behavior. The other is Say Goodbye to Whining, Complaining, and Bad Attitudes in You and Your Kids. You might even listen to these CDs in the car with your kids. We have many other resources designed to help you continue to grow in your parenting skills. We're eager to help parents like you. We hope you'll stay in touch with us. One of the ways you can help us is by filling out your evaluation form. We hope you'll take time and tell us a little bit about your experience here at the seminar and things you've learned or decided to do differently in your family. And be sure to sign up for those free email parenting tips on that form as well. We want to encourage you in your work with your children. Parenting is the toughest job in the world. We at the National Center for Biblical Parenting pray that we can make your job just a little easier.